everybody! Welcome to Dungeons and Diapers, the podcast where two gentlemen get together and they discuss how they balance their lives, be it uh, with their geeky pursuits or maybe it's how they take care of their children. Or, as the story that I will share soon, uh, their wives, their significant others, maybe they need to support them as well. And uh, my name is Crofton Steers. I am one of those two gentlemen. And with me is the other gentleman, his name, Ryan Murphy. Welcome, Ryan. Hello. I feel like we have, it's been a while, but it probably only has been two weeks. (laughs) Maybe. There's so much that is going on in this world. So much. uh, Seems like everybody, I don't know about you, but it seems like everybody I know is sick. Uh, Not just COVID, but like gastro or just different things like i feel like the ravens have been circling our family we still are not like sick in the traditional sense just sick in more of the mental sense but uh but yeah how are you guys holding up still still all healthy or well yeah pretty good i think like the um, the toughest part this week has been um we, we have a lot of zoom calls at work and i think my chair is going because if I have a long Zoom call, like it'll just slowly decline. I've had to like push it up three or four times today. <laughs> um, I know my life is just, it's such a mess when like I go directly to like chair problems. Um, I just imagine like, you know, you're in these meetings with folks <laughs> and and you've got your camera and Ryan's sitting there and he's just slowly <laughs> over the course of the meeting, lowering, lowering, lowering until you're just like off this off the screen just as yeah just as they're getting to the good part of the of the work that needs to be done and ryan's just like just lowering i'm doing the elevator you know i'm just doing the elevator just going down i don't know what it is honestly the chair is very old uh it probably could do for and it's honestly it's like everyone's office home office chairs like they probably uh weren't used to having everybody home for uh well, full time, basically. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I I hear that. I speaking of obstacles that we are dealing with, I have a story for you. Um, it's one that is ongoing, so it's not going to have a conclusion. But hopefully, next time we do the show, it it will have an update. So, my wife, I mentioned off the top, um, supporting my significant other. So, um. A couple of days ago, she starts having dental pain or mouth pain, and and uh, she'd had some in November, and we'd gone gone to see a dentist, my dentist in particular, uh, and sh- she uh, we got her in kind of urgently to see the dentist, and the dentist um, looked at her tooth and and uh, uh, did work some magic, some dental magic on the on the tooth, but said that like if pain came back or continued then um, we would have to think about maybe a root canal. And so uh, anyway, pain was gone. Things were fine. And then my wife started getting dental pain just this past week. And it kind of escalated. And she's like, oh, I think I'm going to have to go back. And then it became like just debilitating pain. Like I felt so bad for her. It was like it was yesterday morning uh, and – all of a sudden, she couldn't even open her mouth. Like it was so much pain, she couldn't drink or eat. It was actually kind of scary. And uh, she's just like writing me notes, 
urgently uh, to sort of say how much pain she's in. So I take her to the dentist and we get in urgently. My dentist is awesome, by the way. Um, and she uh, she sees Jesse and, and we, we sort of talk about it. And they look at her x-rays and there's nothing like egregiously wrong, but they, and it's not the same tooth. She taps all the teeth. They, they had to actually um, numb her mouth, like freeze her mouth, so that she was even able to have her first drink of water of the day. Once she they froze her mouth, she was able to talk and like to sort of share. So that was that was better. And then they were able to proceed. And then they did it. They did a root canal on the tooth that they thought was the issue. But the dentist said the whole time it might be more than this because we're not seeing any sort of major red flags. It would be like this for sure is the source of the pain. And so that happened yesterday. And then uh, we got a prescription for, um, you know, my wife's allergic to aspirin, the whole family of aspirin. So so uh, the painkillers that she's able to take are, are Tylenol-based. And so it's the Tylenol for the one with codeine or whatever. So we got that. But while we're waiting for it, you know, I'm talking to her and she's doing much better and I'm happy, but that's because her mouth was still frozen and then it unfroze and we were in line and she all of a sudden was like, oh God, it's back. And so we got the pills and stuff and, uh, but we went back to the dentist and they refroze her mouth a second time in the day. And, and the late, and the dentist said, you know, it, it could just be that it's soreness and all of this and her nerves have been through a lot. In the next couple of days, we'll we'll know more. But she also indicated it may not be a dental problem, and that it may be like a jaw problem, like this. And she she threw out the name of like this disease, of course, that now we've googled a zillion times and are are panicked about. But yeah, it's that was yesterday, and then this morning she woke up and still pain. Uh, she's she's on the Tylenol fours or whatever. They're not doing a whole heck of a lot, and yeah, end of day today, she's she's in bed already and tomorrow morning we have to like we're trying to scurry we're not sure if it's like an emergency room visit or if it's our our local doc our 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 general practitioner we're trying to get his attention but it's one of those things where if you don't have an appointment and and they say if it's urgent you got to go to the the you know uh, the emergency. So we're trying to trying to figure it out, but it is honestly a little bit scary. And I really do feel bad for my wife in particular, not just because of the the the, the debilitating pain, because like it just looks so painful. But the uh the fact that that she's anxious because she doesn't really know what's going on. And the girls are talking to her and like we got two young kids and they're they're talking to her and she can't talk back to them or just can kind of grunt yes or no or write them notes and, and that sort of thing. Like when she, her mouth was frozen the second time she recorded messages to each of them uh, on her, on her phone that she can play to them to sort of say like, mommy is, would love to talk to you more, but she's in so much pain. And so anyway, it's, it, it is quite the situation, quite the situation. And, and uh, we'll have to see where it goes, but it is kind of uh nerve wracking. Yeah. Oh man, that is uh, that is really tough to hear. I I hope that uh, she's feeling better soon, and and you guys are able to sort it out. I mean, um, there's one thing when it comes to your teeth and your jaw and all that. It's it's one of those things where that and your eyes. I find that like uh, us as a society don't really treat these very critical parts of our body in the same way that 
um, as a society, we treat every other part of our body. Like for some reason, like our eyes and our, our teeth come sort of second, you know, um, to, to everything else. I, I mean, you could probably even throw your ears into that equation as well. Like your major senses sometimes don't get the same attention that you would get uh, uh, like a broken bone or, or something like that. And uh, it is really tough. It is funny because to that, like my dentist and I have a funny kind of backstory where she was like essentially my last dentist and then I stopped going to the dentist for multiple years. Um, And uh, just because like you say, I'm just like, I hate going to the dentist. Like I brush my teeth, whatever. I had never had a cavity in my life. I was like, it just feels like, like why go to the dentist? You're just going to, you know, say I don't floss enough or I don't whatever bubble. I hate sitting in the chair and getting tink, tink, tink. All the sounds at the dentist are the worst. Um, and so, yeah, like I stopped and like, it's going to be embarrassing. I think four years, I might not have gotten to the three or oh, wow. four years. Like not gone to the dentist. Anyway, one day, massive tooth pain and you have so many nerve endings in your mouth and, and dental pain is crazy, like massive pain. And so I didn't know what to do. I had no dentist really. So what did I do? You know, I went, I went, I looked up for my dentist four years before and I returned and was like, I got it. My, my teeth really hurt. I should have come more often, you know, and, uh, and I needed a root canal. Uh, and it was, uh, it was um, the one cavity I've ever gotten. And she likes to laugh about it because I have no other cavities and and um, it was just kind of a freak occurrence that there's like this little gap and it got, you know, a lot of buildup in there and that led led to this. Um, and the rest of the tooth looks fine and all this, but it was it was what got me back to going to the dentist. And now I go very regularly. And, and my wife is absolutely meticulous about going to the dentist and taking care of her teeth. So it kind of makes sense that it's not really a tooth thing and, and that it might actually be a jaw thing. So anyway, but you're, you're right. Those are the, the teeth are something that are, are easy to neglect, but when you have tooth pain, man, it's crazy. And I always, as I was telling Jesse, like, you know, like what about in the middle ages, it must've just been brutal. Like whatever, everybody's teeth must've hurt. Like you must, cause they really, all you can do is then rip your teeth out or something like, I mean, it, dealing with tooth pain, like what you've got it, you've got to either have it addressed or rip the tooth out, kind yeah. of like, ugh. Yeah, it's anyway. it, it it's um, it's something that we go through life not thinking about until you see that one scene in Castaway, and then that's all you see anytime you have tooth pain, and you just like gotta go to a dentist and start going more regularly. And I'm. I've always gone to the dentist. I've actually never seen Castaway. Never? And now and now like it's one of those movies I've never seen and now I'm like Don't see it. Thinking thinking there's a two scene. There is. I don't uh, <laughs> and I think Psychonauts 2 they there was a disclaimer at the beginning that there were scenes of like I guess there's a whole subset of people that are or have phobias of teeth stuff. Mm-hmm. And like they, they were saying like there was a disclaimer saying there was going to be scenes with teeth stuff. And I was like, really people, but yeah, it's true. Like I don't like seeing people get needles in movies and definitely if somebody had their tooth ripped in a movie or something, I wouldn't want to see that. Yeah. I mean, so essentially 
in Castaway. Spoiler alert. But like he he's he's on an island. He's stuck on an island. Tom Hanks is stuck on an island with a volleyball. And he has this toothache. And all he has are the packages around him that have kind of like washed up on shore. And one of those packages is a figure, uh, a figure skating uh, skate. And he uses that to basically what, what looks like push, like push the tooth out of its socket. Like he doesn't have pliers. He has to kind of, it's like just a step um, below like the arm chopping scene in that like 127 hours J- James Franco movie. Like it's, it's not as bad as that, but it's still pretty bad. Um, that's disgusting yeah so i'm i'm really glad that everybody uh stopped listening uh just now i apologize for that and um but yeah like teeth are i've 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 gone to the dentist my whole life and it it really comes down to i just i've always had um not bad teeth from a from a cleansliness or or you know taking care of them it was all just like both my parents had my, my dad's side has terrible teeth i inherited that so i had to have like every appliance known to man and i'm so jealous of people who go to get orthodontics now because what took three appliances a bunch of pulled teeth and 10 years of my life is now like one set of braces like the technology has changed so much and um i know my kids are going to need it too so they've already started going to the dentist um they go regular kate and abigail go regularly and uh i actually don't mind it i mean i've been through a lot at the dentist so the point of like going for a cleaning is like it's i always joke with the dentist and it's not really a joke is like it's i say like this is actually relaxing for me like i don't have there's no kids screaming running around like i don't have to deal with work i can just sit here relax it doesn't sound relaxing but uh no i don't like i don't like the sound of the dentist i don't like the sound of the thing that sucks the the yeah. moisture and the, the, i don't like the sound of the tink 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 when they they i don't like the sound of like like people in movies and stuff, it's like the drill that is the big thing. Oh, the dental drill. I'm like, yeah, obviously that's not a great sound either, but it's not going very often unless you're there for cavity fillings. Mostly it's all these other ambient sounds. And then and combined with your local soft rock station probably that's playing over the speakers, it's just a, a combination, a cacophony, a cacophony of sound, of, of a cacophonous combination anyway words you know what ryan we spent way too long on dental pain uh i hope my wife feels better by the time we record this next time i hope i will have a nice disclaimer to say it was happily ever after um i want the record to show i made no jokes about uh my wife not being able to talk although i did i did uh when we went to see the dentist and i had to be her i had to be her speaker i i did say she I did keep editorializing and say stuff like she also wants you to know that her husband is the absolute best and that she appreciates him. And the dentist thought, Oh, that's so funny. And meanwhile, my wife is shooting me daggers. Yeah. I being like, I'm in so much pain and you're wasting it with your stupid jokes. Um, so uh, <laughs> she knows what she signed up for. She knows. She knows. Anyway, I could, I could just, I could just see it. Speaking of what our listeners signed up for, Ryan, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's time to uh, to head into the dungeons. I've already taken up a lot of time while talking about this situation. How about you take up some time talking about something more fun 
Uh, we've got some TV stuff, but let's let's start with this show because I'm, I'm curious about it, um, and I know that you've watched it, and I actually don't even really know where to watch this in Canada, to be honest. Uh, but uh, I am a huge fan of the wrestler turned actor John Cena, and it seems to me that you here have watched Peacemaker, uh, and I would like to know what you thought of it. Right, I forgot you're a wrestling fan, and I was like trying to think. Would you be interested in the show? And I gotta say, um, as someone who does not like wrestling and doesn't maybe appreciate is the right word, some of the actors that come out of wrestling, and I think like The Rock has been able to like graduate into the mainstream, and I think the only other one that I can think of is um. Uh, now I'm, I'm spacing on the name the actor who plays uh peacemaker you're gonna say it and i'm like of course it is my brain is broken john cena john cena yeah yeah <laughs> john cena sorry that's about, just a brain fart i know you just said what it. about dave batista okay that's that is a very good example so you've got three am i thinking is there any other ones it depends if you want to include, like, for example, Rowdy Roddy Piper had this film called uh, They Live, which is like a cult classic. <laughs> I've seen that, that people one. Still, people talk about it. I, I've not seen it. But they, they also uh, – and, and, and for a cup of coffee there, Hulk Hogan had a run in a few movies. It's funny because I um, – I, I in 1999 I was doing like this backpacking trip in Mexico, and we would take these Greyhound buses everywhere in Mexico, and they were dirt cheap, right? And uh, they would play movies on the on the on the, the little TVs that they had in the Greyhound bus, and often they would be like Spanish telenovas or like Mexican stuff where I didn't understand jack but every once in a while it would be an english movie and without fail it would be some hulk hogan directed vhs movie i'm like the first time my friend and i we saw these fists some somebody was like doing martial arts on the beach and i was like oh man this this is sick maybe it's some sort of and then it was like hulk hogan escaped from devil's island i'm like wow i have never heard of this movie and there was like a series of these movies i'd never heard of so yes not the rock uh, quality and it no. should be noted that The Rock is like and it was for a while the number one movie star in the movie it, it, it wasn't just that he transcended like out of wrestling it was that he was like the biggest movie star in the world pretty much you know so that's that's some that's some good shit yeah um, so yeah uh, I think John Cena Maybe before this, actually, you know what? I saw him in a, a comedy, and I think that that's where I like him the most. And I think the comedy was, um, I think it was called Cockblockers, and and I might be <laughs> I might be misremembering the name uh, now that I say it out loud, but I think it's like about a set of parents that are trying to stop their kids from losing their virginity at uh, like a party before they go to college, and it's focusing ma- mostly on the parents. But uh, yeah, it was a he like kind of proved that he could do comedy and he was funny and i think i saw him in the suicide squad and he was fine there i think i more just had an issue with his character as, as opposed to the actor um peacemaker is this very staunch uh i'll do anything for peace uh, the, the classic line of like i will suck a field of dicks for peace um or something along those lines very crass i'll kill anyone for peace yeah. um 
the I I actually haven't seen the 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 newer sewer su- I haven't seen either of the Suicide Squad movies to be to be fair, but I didn't I didn't see the new one that this spins off of, and that is actually been the reason why like so many people have been talking about this Peacemaker show, and I've been like, well, I haven't even seen the movie yet, so I should hold off watching that. Do you need to have seen the movie to see the show? I mean, if. If you're going to watch the TV show, so for, here's the thing. If you're going to watch the TV show, you're going to need to subscribe. Uh, and I apologize to our non-Canadian listeners. Um, well, I'll just get out of the way. It's HBO Max um, for for everyone outside of Canada or most folks outside of Canada. Actually, that might just be the US. But anyways, for Canada, it's Crave uh, for us. So it's a $20 a month thing. Um, there's been a couple of recommendations that I've done on the show, like yellow jackets and whatnot that you can watch on crave alongside peacemaker, but I'm fairly certain that the suicide squad is also on crave. Um, and I would say like, if you have access to it and you can watch the suicide squad, it's worth watching before, um, uh, before peacemaker, because honestly, like it is a canonical continuation, um, literally peacemaker takes place right after the suicide squad and i'd almost say the suicide squad is worth watching for a couple reasons like again it it has harley quinn in it and she's fantastic um uh, margot robbie continues to be a fantastic uh uh harley quinn you've got idris elba um uh polka dot man again like you wouldn't think that you could make polka dot man into a, a compelling um character but James Gunn does that, and it's almost worth watching the film to see how that's done. It is, it is a good movie, uh, and I think like the fact that they take you know Peacemaker from that and turn it into a TV show, it's just it goes back to the way James Gunn's brain works, and that like he can take this character and think no one's going to want to watch ten episodes of this, let alone twenty, because they've already renewed it for a second season, and tell a tell a story that isn't like directly related to peacemaker but tell a story in the show that is a continuation of the idea of the suicide squad like taking people contract killers villains that sort of thing who have been committed to arkham for life in prison and basically say you get uh, a get a jail free card but you have to do these dangerous missions for us and that's essentially like the continuing plot in peacemaker however unlike the suicide squad which is dealing with this um this very like dc back of the book villain of um a, a giant starfish uh that controls people's minds in peacemaker it kind of it it tells a story of uh like an alien invasion style story but like more of like uh, invasion of the body snatchers so it's like it's it's not as um on the surface level, not as fantastical as like, you know, an entire city being taken over by a starfish, um, which is essentially like the, the driving plot for, uh, for the suicide squad. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think with peacemaker, like they, they tell a compelling story with this character that you just didn't think they'd be able to do. Um, because again, like it's, it's peacemaker and, and, they go into his backstory. They they talk about his childhood. They they you know look at his family life. Uh, he has a pet eagle that that he hugs, and that's um that's something. Uh, <laughs> what's what's his pet eagle name? Uh, <laughs> Eagly. 
<laughs> Amazing. I'm not joking. Um, his pet name, his pet eagle's name is Eagly. Uh, there's fantastic actors found throughout the show, and um, it's kind of set up as like uh, not X Files, but more. Um, I think there was like an X Files spinoff that was dealing with a specific set of characters. It's it is kind of like this off the books team that are investigating a specific uh a specific case that's dealing with these these um invading aliens and uh it's like they they're on their own they are their own team they have no backup and they have to deal with this this situation and try to unravel everything that's going on and and deal with the wrinkles that that come with uh such a such a plan but i don't want to spoil too much more like even that's getting into a a bit of the weeds but i think like there's a lot of um there's a lot of great moments in the show and uh even the intro like if you even if you don't even watch the show but look up the intro the whole intro to the show is just this large dance number it's so fantastical and out there of like what am i even watching and i think it goes back to the idea of since streaming uh, platforms have come into place, like we've just been inundated with a lot of the same, uh, a lot of good content that we can engage with. But then you get these odd gems that come out that are just so unique that wouldn't exist without a streaming platform. I don't think Peacemaker would work on any platform other than uh, a streaming show, you know? And I'm so glad we live in this world where we're where you know we've gotten to that point where you can we can escape like the standard cable channels and stuff and just have like some some weird ass you know deep dive dc content and i'm not a dc fan per se like i enjoy some of the dc stuff but like even this is like continuing in the dc dc extended universe the dceu or whatever like it's still within that realm um and there are direct nods to that stuff but uh yeah it's it's fun it's all out now it's all available it's it's been out for a couple months now um uh and it's on crave and you gotta like that style though like if you go into this thinking like oh this is gonna be you know like man of steel or or even batman it's like no this is very much james gunn flavor rated r turned up to 11 continuation of the suicide squad so if you if you like the suicide squad this is a this is a good continuation of that if you didn't like the suicide squad you, you're probably going to want to skip over peacemaker well um i do like guardians of the galaxy and uh so if i mean if it's the same sort of flair as that i and i i will be honest like there's so many things that like when there's something good in the dc universe it's so tricky because like so much is trash. No offense, uh, DC, uh, but like so many, so many of the films are not not good or don't hold together. There's no uniformity like Marvel, where you need to kind of see everything and it's all interconnected. And tonally, it all kind of makes sense in the same world somewhat. Like it, DC, it's it's kind of not like that. And so, and and also, there's a lot of characters that I'm not really interested in, but what James Gunn did well with the guardians was that I wasn't interested in any of them either. But then after the first movie, everybody knows who Groot the talking tree (laughs) man is, you know? And so I feel like this is that again, or like the suicide squad is and peacemaker. The fact that he was enthused enough to do the show himself. I think that that says a lot. And yeah, I am like John Cena is like, 
he was the the guy on WWE for a long time, and I was – you know, a lot of the older fans were kind of rejecting him because he was the new generation's Hulk Hogan. But you could always tell, love him or hate him, you could always tell his innate like charisma and goofiness and charm uh, and his ability to tone, you know, tonally shift to do like an intense feud with a real monster and then shift to doing goofy comedy backstage with somebody else. Um, you knew he had range and that he was able, uh, he was going to, he was going to do that. So it's funny because Batista was a surprise, right? If you watch Batista wrestle or, you know, even a lot of his promo work, especially throughout, he's never, he, he and you were then told, you know, he's going to become a huge popular actor in a, a wide variety of roles in different films. I would have been like, bullshit. <laughs> but, uh, but, but John Cena is definitely like, I, I, I know that I knew the sky's the limits for him. Sky's the limit for him. And I truly do think that he has more range than the rock who I like a lot uh, as well. But like, I think, you know, um, plays the rock generally in, in, in various films. Um, so yeah, no cool, cool beans. I will uh, speak briefly on something. Uh, and we talk about stuff on the show all the time that we like and that we recommend. I'm going to tell you today, Ryan, about something that sucks. Oh. Uh, yeah. So, uh, and what that is, um, and, and maybe I'll do a little little preface on this. Um, so you may, uh, as a Nintendo fanboy, uh, know that the, the, to play online video games on a Nintendo Switch, you need a, you need a subscription uh, to this Nint- Nintendo, what's it called? Uh, in, uh, Nintendo Switch Online or Expansion Pass. Yeah. Right. And the Expansion Pass is the next thing, which is like you 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 can get a more expensive version. And each – it gives you some stuff with it. But mostly it gives you retro games. And the Expansion Pass includes N64 games and it includes Sega Genesis games. And I remember – when they announced it and they announced what the monthly cost of the pass was going to be like, I love the N64 at the time, but I know those games hold up horribly. Um, and, uh, and you know, it's the the beginning of 3d and it just looks like Vaseline on the screen and it's, it's not great. So, uh, but the Genesis, like I have fond memories of the 16 bit era, uh, especially the super Nintendo. I didn't have a super Nintendo, but I played a lot of the games be it at my friend's place or even afterwards, I played ROMs, emulators, Game Boy Advance versions of SNES games. Recently, or I played the entire Legend of Zelda: Link to the Past with my daughter on uh, on the SNES Classic. I talked about it on the show, I think, way back when I did that. All of those 16-bit games, you know, like 16-bit was like I have I have a strong affinity for the 16-bit era, or at least I thought I did. So then, then. Uh, I, I had my eye once they announced the expansion pass because I um, on the Sega Genesis collection. So they have a, a 50-5-0 game Sega Genesis collection, and it's on uh, the Switch, um, and I think it's on other platforms as well. And it was on sale, and I mean like for 15 bucks or something, I was able to get 50 as, uh, Genesis, Genesis Classics. And it's such a great job is done in this collection, Ryan, of like, of like, like 
it's the framing of it. You you're in a kid's bedroom with posters on the wall. You can look at you. You can choose the games from a shelf, and then they're put in. And there's like special features and art, and you can choose the region of the version. Like the package could not have been prepared with more love, care than than it is. It's got all the features, save states, quick saves, different like. Oh man, I like the the people that put this together, the Sega Genesis collection for the Switch and other consoles did a fantastic job. That leaves us with the games. So there's 50 again Genesis games. So I started um, going through them. My daughter's having a hard time falling asleep. I know I mentioned that before. So I'm up I'm upstairs with the Switch now, and I'm like, well, you know, these Genesis games will be kind of fun, quick hit. And I also recognize I'm not unfamiliar. I'm unfamiliar with a lot of the library. Like I've heard of these games a lot, the Vector Mans or Streets of Rage or um, uh, you know Fantasy Stars or whatever. Uh, but aside from Sonic the Hedgehog, which I have played, uh, I hadn't. I haven't played many of them. So I start going through them, and game after game, Ryan, just garbage, like absolute trash. I'm playing these games. I'm like. And I don't have the lens of nostalgia on them, and they all open with like a couple of a couple of words of text, like in a world destroyed by robots, the aliens come down, and you must fight them all in alien carnage or whatever. And then you then you play, it. and then be the, the next game, and it would be like in a world where blah blah blah, and it's always like an intro, a couple of intro pages, and then you're thrown into some game with shit controls, like half decent graphics, like 16-bit was looking good. And so many, like they, they had a lot of sequels. Like there's three golden axes and three streets of rage and like uh, three or four Sonics and all of that. And oh man, like I know this is not going to go well with some listeners who may romanticize the Genesis time, but I just, I don't understand. Like if you told me I could have 50 Super Nintendo games, I would have like Super Metroid or the Final Final Fantasy VI or Chrono Trigger. Where are those games on Genesis? There's nothing. They're garbage. Anyway, that's my rant. I don't recommend it. It's put together with care, but unless you have nostalgia for the Genesis, uh, as a new player, you pick that up, you'd look at that, you'd be like, there's nothing, there's not hardly anything good here. Uh, and I'm not, I, I haven't tried all 50. I've probably played 32 of them at this point, but like so far the batting average is horrible. And there are these RPGs that I think are well kind of thought of. I tried to start like fantasy star two, but Oh God, I couldn't do it, Ryan. Mm. So they're, they're all garbage. Yeah, so growing up, I was a Nintendo kid, and that shouldn't surprise anybody listening. Um, But, uh, you know, being a Nintendo kid and having limited access to the Sega Genesis, um, Sonic was always the the go-to of, like, Sonic 1, 2, 3, Knuckles, that little, like, Sonic and Knuckles, like, cartridge that would flip up and you could put other cartridges in to, like, change what they could do. That was so novel, but it really came down to four games. Um, other games that kind of like, you know, popped into our sort of the, my mind would be like, does it, does the collection have Boogerman? I remember Boogerman being one of those like, oh man, this is so weird. There's no way this would be a, I, it might actually have been released on a Nintendo platform, but it, it doesn't, and it doesn't have all of the, um, 
the like uh, cross gen games. So there's no like Street Fighter Two, for instance, or Mortal Kombat. There's no NHL '94, which would have been a huge like just NHL '94 alone. If I got that, I would have been probably pretty happy. But again, those I may be uh, colored by nostalgia. So no, it was it was really the Sega like I guess equivalent of first party games. Um, and I will say like. Like playing them, and and yes, I do have nostalgia for Sonic, but Sonic Two is the best game. Like I was playing it, and I was like, okay, this is the game I played when I was a kid, and it is clearly better than most of these other games. Uh, it's got better music, graphics, plays better, uh, just feels like in a different league than a lot of a lot of these other games. And I know a lot of people don't like Sonic games, especially compared to Mario games. And I totally understand why structurally they're kind of dumb. You go really fast and then they put up spikes that immediately knock away all your rings and drive you nuts. But I, I, I do think that like, as it stands in a pile of garbage, they're like, they're the, the thing on the top, you know, that it, and it's just, it is funny. Cause it, as I played it, I, as I put in game after game, I just kept thinking, man, people probably paid like 60, 70 bucks for each of these games because yeah. games have been expensive for a long time. And it just, holy moly, I just, you know, I cannot imagine. And it was really funny because um, the other game that I played, and I won't talk too long about it, is this game Tunic, which is on Xbox Game Pass now. And I think Tunic is considered like, you know, a smaller scale game. It's like an indie, more of an indie game and not like a full size Elden Ring, which I'm also playing type game. But I, um, a person I follow and respect in the video game field is this guy, Victor Lucas, who did reviews on the run and a lot of these other, uh, the electronic playground. Uh, he's Canadian. He's based in Vancouver. And he posted uh, online uh, on Twitter. And he said like, what, so, Here's a poll. What do you got? Do you guys think older games are better or newer games are better? And I, having just played Tunic, uh, which is awesome, and Elden Ring, which is awesome, it's so complicated to make. And like all the work that's gone into Elden Ring is more than all those 50 Genesis games put together. And, and, and to have that compared to the Genesis. I was just like, oh, God, new games are way better. I don't care what you think with your nostalgia goggles. The newer games are better. It's just that, um, that there were in every generation of video games, there's some huge hits, like things that people really loved and are like greatest games of all time. Every generation puts out some. And the discrepancy between them in the Super Nintendo Genesis era between the greatest games of all time and the, the the chaff and the shit is so huge. Uh, it's so huge. And I guess that's the case all the time. Like if you look at the shitty games that come out now and you compare them to the Horizons or Elden and Ring, that's probably the same. But like it's just so, so insane where video games are at compared to where they were. At least that was my, my trip down the rabbit hole of nostalgia. And again, I've played a ton of my SNES Classic and maybe it's more that the Genesis sucked. Could very much be that. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, anyway, it was not impressive. Uh, last bit tunic. I'll, I'll share more next time. I think on tunic, uh, my daughter and I are starting to play it. Um, but I'm very, very much enjoying it so far. And, uh, I, am not sure if you've given it a try yet, but, uh, totally worthwhile. Yeah, no, I, I think that, uh, I played a little bit of tunic as well. Just a little, little bit, uh, kind of jumped in. It's, uh, 
it's a game that I've been following for a while. Um, it's made like, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's like the quintessential made by one dude, but it's made by a very small team with the main developer, um, uh, ba- being based out of Halifax, Canada. So I always have to get that in. It's a, it's a Canadian game and it's been winning awards left, right, and center doing very well review wise. Um, and you know what? Kind of a perfect game to play with your daughter because it's you know it's very much this game where you have to like soak it in and and kind of look to the horizon, look to the edges of the screen to determine where you need to go, what puzzles you need to solve. There's a lot of like paying attention to the environment to understand what you need to do next, and I think that would work really well for. Um, inquisitive brains uh you know with gwen like wanting to explore every nook and cranny uh, solve puzzles the combat is is very cartoonish similar to zelda games like there's no blood um unlike uh, a previous recommendation i had with death's door where you could turn off the blood animation uh which turned it much closer to to a zelda experience uh, especially if you're playing with your kids but yeah tunic is very much like you start with a stick you eventually get a sword but the combat is very cartoonish and and um it's it's not it's not as violent as um uh it's on the violence level of zelda let's say like it's not that it's not that bad it's very cartoonish so yeah no that's really cool um and yeah i look forward to talking more about it next week or next episode because i'll i've been meaning to get back to it so i will jump back in for our chat but before we go to the diapers, Crofton, I was wondering if you wanted to like, I'll mark it in the notes, but did you want to do like a quick 10 minutes on After Party? I know we already talked a lot about it with uh, um, when you had brought it up on the show, but I watched it. I, I finished it with Ashley and I was wondering, should we do like a quick, I have some spoilery thoughts that I want to like get off my chest here and, and get your take on it. Sure. So, okay. So while you're marking this here, I'll just say, for our listeners who are for some reason just tuning into this episode and have missed the glorious past work of Dungeons and Diapers, After Party is a show on Apple TV Plus. Uh, it's a comedy murder mystery, a la uh, same style of only murders in the building, Knives Out. You know, uh, mixes a great cast of characters with um, uh, a detective um, with some charisma, and the idea is the murder happened after a. Um, a high school reunion at one of the successful uh, high schoolers turned pop star found dead. It's at his mansion. That's where the after party from the title takes place. And each episode of the show is the testimonial of one of the suspects. And it takes on a different style uh, depending on who the person is that's presenting it like a romantic comedy one episode an action comedy the next a musical the next that sort of thing so it's really cool it's done by the um the uh, uh lord miller the um the mitchells and the machines uh lego movies into the spider-verse guys and uh they still got the touch in my opinion and so i am glad ryan that you and ashley watch it because i do think that it makes a great like Everybody gets something out of it. It's one of those things that I have a hard time believing somebody would watch it and be like, oh, this sucks, you know, but, uh, <laughs> but, but, um, but yeah, so I'm, so what are, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but what were your impressions? Maybe you'll, maybe you will be like, well, Crofton, it does suck. Well, I can, I can give spoiler free impressions and then I'll get into the spoilers, but like 
essentially, uh, Ashley and I watched it. We very much enjoyed it. I think um, Apple TV Plus's offering of content has been getting back to that idea of like quality over quantity. Like we're not going to drop a new series every day that is going to appeal to, uh, I don't know, somebody. Like there's a lot of garbage that shows up on Netflix now, but I feel like with Apple TV Plus, a lot of people are like, oh, they're just not putting out enough. And I was like, I think I'm kind of fine with it. Like I'm fine with them putting out something, you know, fresh every month or so. You know, I think that's, that's, that's a better approach. Um, similar how Disney plus, uh, offers their, you know, premium Marvel star Wars stuff. It's not, it's not, a, it's, it's, they're one after the other for sure, but they're not, um, they're not flooding you with the content. Uh, but well, I'll say this is, um, I did really enjoy it. Ashley really enjoyed it. Uh, I think the struggle you could have with the show is what you mentioned and that there's a new take or the new genre explored with every um, story being told. I don't think it's enough to pull you out of the series. So, for example, if you really hate rom-coms, um, you're going to have a tough go with that first episode, uh, which was... I'm 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 good with whatever. I liked every episode because I like exploring other genres. Nothing, you know, I don't think they were going to explore a genre that I that I wouldn't at least be fine watching through because I like the characters, I like the actors, I like the story they're telling. Um, I think if they did a whole episode solely focused on Dave Franco's character um, as his, like, real douchey music artist, I would have probably stopped watching. But he is sprinkled in just enough throughout the series so that, like, for good reason, because he is the murder victim and it goes to the story to kind of explore his character. So I think they used him perfectly to kind of like sprinkle him in. There wasn't like, they didn't overuse Dave Franco's ability to just annoy the shit out of you as a character. Um, So I really did appreciate that. But Ashley hated the musical episode to the point where she's like, I'm leaving the room. Let me know when they stop singing. That was my favorite episode. I know. I told her that. I told her that Cross is going to be so devastated. Those songs are all bangers. And, oh, she and hated uh, it. she hated it. Uh, and they were written by John LaJoy or co- co-written by John LaJoy, who I'm a huge fan of his co- comedic song writing chops. And oh, I couldn't get them out of my head. I was streaming them on Spotify. Um, for for those of you non-musical lovers, don't worry. There's only one episode that's a mu- musical. But honestly, when that episode hit, I was like, I'm disappointed that all the rest episodes aren't mu- uh, uh, of the episodes aren't musicals. But that said, I understand what they were going for. Different tone. To your point about um, about um, uh, 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 what's his name, uh, Dave Franco. Uh, what was his character's name? Xavier was yeah, that it? Xavier. Yeah. Yeah. So Xavier was like one thing I thought that was very funny or interesting was that like, so when each character is doing their uh, recap, their story, and it's, it's, it's telling their version of events, um, the, 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 it's presented through their lens. So each other character appears a bit differently. And, and the Sam Richardson, I think who plays Anik, who is the kind of the main character or, or one of the major, major characters. Uh, um, he, uh, he has to do a lot of heavy acting lifting because episode to episode, he's got to put a little bit of a different spin on Anik in, 
to reflect the way that he's being perceived in the testimonial of the person telling the story. But what I thought was so funny about Dave Franco's Xavier is no matter who was telling the story, uh, even if other characters came off slightly differently, he always came off the same, which is like, a, you know, an entitled douche, you know? <laughs> and I just thought it was so funny. I turned to my wife at one point when we were like four episodes deep. I'm like, no matter who's telling the story, Xavier's always the same, you know? Because yes. yeah, <laughs> so, uh, he is like, his character is just, he he's made up this specific persona. And you, and you, um yeah like you're absolutely right like everyone treats him the same uh he's always it's always the same in the story and and then i think that that is because like after high school he sort of left those people behind and went off on his own and that's probably why like everyone sees him as this you know uh douchey uh music artist who's just really like it's it's so again they use it sparingly, but like the moments where he does show up, like he's, uh, I think it was the, um, the action film one where he's like recording lines on his phone in the bathroom. And it's just, uh, I can't even, I, I don't even want to think of it. It's just so, <laughs> I, just I thought it was so, I know. I thought he was so funny. I like, I liked him. I liked all of the characters. I thought they did. Everybody did a great job and I got really invested. I, I'd say like, obviously there's some characters that I enjoyed more than uh, others, but I was really sort of invested in the whole thing. And it is interesting to note that, that this show was released, like they, they did the new model, which is essentially, I think you release a batch of episodes. Um, I think it was like three or four or something to get people into this new show. And then you go week to week with the release of the rest. And now I watched it. I think I want to say we started the week that the last episode was coming out. So by the time we were caught up that the finale was out. And so we were topical. We were, we were watching it, but uh, I know that people week to week were engaged on Reddit, trying to guess the mystery, put together the clues. Like people were really into it. And I love mystery stuff, but I will be honest, when I was watching it, I just kind of felt that, uh, and now we're, you know, disclaimer, we're, I'm about to go into some level of spoilers here. So if you don't want any spoilers of the after party, like you should probably not, not listen. Um, uh, but I found that, that uh Never was I engaged with the mystery, really. Like, there was a couple of points where I was like, oh, this person's probably involved or not involved or this sort of thing. But from from a, an early point, I kind of just felt that it was a comedy more than a mystery and that, that it was about the characters and their growth together and that it was going to be revealed at the end after interviewing all these folks because Xavier is found on the beach for having fallen off or like off his balcony and, and they very quickly diagnose it as a murder at the beginning in the opening scene. But the, the reasons for why it was a murder, like his hat falling first, a couple of things 
they felt kind of loose to me. And I sort of felt like, oh, it's just going to be, it's going to be slapstick at the end. After all this, you know, it was going to be, he slipped on some water, tripped over five plants and then fell off his own balcony. I thought for sure it was going to be something like that. And there was going to be no satisfying killer or any of that. And maybe because of that, I stopped paying attention to the murder mystery aspect of it. I was not really like trying to, I'm like, who, who did it or who done it? I was kind of more alone for the ride i don't know were you and ashley engaged in the murder mystery part of it or were you were you uh were you just like binging and not really thinking too much about it i i think because we were at a point where we could binge it we weren't terribly worried about to uh we weren't we weren't like we were curious because again like it really seemed so here's the thing um, let's just mark spoilers here because the, the, I don't want to, I don't want to step around when we're talking about, uh, the murder. So I'm going to, I'm going to mark spoilers here. So, you know, now that we're, now that we are talking spoilers, we can talk about the murder. Um, I think for me or the mystery, um, for Ashley and I, because we were binging it, we were more just interested in the character's story and the backstory. And I think what really, yeah, same, you know, disengaged us from the mystery was that the detective, at least early on, the character played by Tiffany Haddish, uh, that 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 she had in in the moment, it appeared to as though she had latched onto Anique as the murderer. Um, and to me, and to Ashley, is like, well, that's not interesting. That's just the first person you point to. And and in the series, they really, you know, unless you're like reading into it. T- too much it, it really does seem like oh she's she's on a deadline to solve this case you you don't know why but you know that she wants to solve it before some hot shot comes in and you're just assuming yep yeah, she's pointing she she found the evidence there's enough there and she's that's the that's the line of questioning she's gonna go down and i think that's why we checked out on the mystery because it's like it's less about the mystery of of um uh, well, it is still the mystery of who did it, but like the mystery now becomes is like, how are we going to prove Anik's innocence? Because he's like the last person seen in the room with uh, with Xavier, or at least put in the room with Xavier, and and that's why we kind of you know moved away from the mystery and just enjoyed the ride, really. And I think like Tiffany Haddish like had an interesting role to play because it, she essentially it was the same with Daniel Craig and Knives Out in which they are clearly the character in which that maybe a larger franchise or series will be built around because every time you have a different set of suspects or the Hercule Poirot type character that you want to have come back every time, and so they have to have like some sort of like compelling angle in which you feel that they know best. And um, I was trying to, or a gimmick, you know, where they seem kind of overly charismatic or overly ridiculous. And then it's proven in the parlor reveal scene uh, at the end of these things that they are actually a super genius. Right. And they put all the pieces together. And so I, from the very beginning, knew that that's likely where they were going with her character, that she was going to come in. She was going to bust. She was going to, um, make you know uh, put all the pieces together I thought I thought all the pieces were going to be ridiculous and that it was going to be like clear that she's going to find out that Xavier you know slipped on water that caused by X and then tripped on this and then fell over you know I didn't think there was going to be an actual um, a murder reveal and so for me the one time I actually because when when the reveal scene happens at the end 
I don't know about you, but I found there were lots of bits and bobs where I'm like, couldn't you possibly have even noticed that or paid attention or to the, to that level? Like as a viewer, uh, it was, there's one of the running jokes is there's this character named Walt, uh, (laughs) who is essentially, um, and I've seen this type of character in other things before where he's like the guy from high school that everybody's forgotten was even there when they see him at the reunion, they're like, what the hell are you doing here? And I'll be honest, if Xavier hadn't died from slipping and falling, he, he, Walt was the next guy, like the guy that was overlooked, perpetually forgotten. And, um, and uh, yeah, like it was revealed in the end that he was like preparing to streak, through the after party in the, in the, he's in the bathroom. And I think that there had been, if you'd rewatched it again, maybe you would have seen elements that would have hinted that that's what he was doing. But like when the detective points it out, I was like, well, that's like, I never would have figured that out. I, there's a lot of pieces that of the puzzle that just seem like, unless you're on Reddit scouring frozen frames that you're not going to really figure out. And Maybe maybe that's the intent of it, but I will say when they did reveal the killer, um, that he was the one character that I had a moment while watching the show where I was like, "Oh shit, that's really weird." Maybe this guy did it, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and so you know we're already in spoiler territory here. But so the murderer being uh, Ben Schwartz's character, um, the um, the what you call it the musical episode guy who is name now escapes me uh, oh, i can't believe it i had it up uh, to uh his wait. name is jasper 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 yeah no so jasper um and and like every character is given some motivation of why they were the one and jasper uh motivation was was much easier to take because it was done musically like he's singing these songs so it doesn't seem like such a big deal until you really start like like thinking about it afterwards, and I listened to the songs enough that after after the show was over, in particular, I'm like, oh, you really feel it in these in these songs. Why why he would want to kill Xavier? Um, but the scene that I'm talking about, Ryan, that clued me was when there um, w- was either you had to believe one of two things. One, it was when uh, Jasper clued the police into the fact that there was hidden cameras because he's an AV guy and that they were they were trying to get at the footage. And then they deleted the entire footage. Um, or it seemed so while Jasper and Anik were standing there watching them. And then Jasper made some sort of excuse for using his phone uh, around the same period uh, to, to write an, uh, to write to their to manager or something ridiculous. It was played for laughs, but I remember you had to believe one of two things. You either had to believe that these police officers were so incompetent that they just erased all this video footage uh, that was just right there. And if you believe that, then you're out of the show kind of like, you're like, well, these cops are idiots. And like, it's, it's, you know, it just feels, it would feel bad. Or the alternative is somebody remotely erased them. And you've got this guy standing out there with his phone who works in AV, you know? And so right off, I was like, Oh, he, I turned to my wife. I'm like, he erased the video. 
And that's what I assumed. But that happens, like, I think in the second episode. And by by the end of it, I had totally forgotten that scene. I wasn't like, oh, Jasper's the killer for sure. But when, when they were doing the recap, I was like, oh, yeah, of course. I remember when that happened, I was really like, this is egregious. He clearly erased the the stuff. Did did you make that same connection at that time, or no? I I thought the bumbling cop did it. Um, oh, really? Yeah. It, like I said, like early on in the series, they play up the detective, like Tiffany Haddish's character, as like I got to solve this before the night is out. Like that's part of the of of the structure of the show too. Like she is trying to solve this crime as quickly as possible, and I think that leads that misleads you a bit which is not the case there's a good reason for her trying to solve this as quickly as possible because she knows the person they're bringing in from hollywood because they're bringing in this detective from hollywood because this is a major celebrity that's been killed and they want to do it they want to do it quote unquote right um even though again at the end of the series we realize that tiffany haddish's character uh, is just is she she wants to solve the crime because she wants to do it correctly, as opposed to the guy who's coming in who's just going to point at Anik and be like, "Yep, Anik did it," because of all the evidence that piles up right at the beginning. Um, it's the same thing with her her partner cop, um, who who does kind of appear to be the bumbling partner, kind of along for the ride, just like basically a, a more of an assistant. Um, kind of detective and again like it is believable that he would have deleted the footage because he at least at the beginning is played as this a bit of a bumbling character but you're absolutely right i missed it and when they point it out like they are literally showing you the scene again um and it's just he timed the deletion in line with like them fumbling with the computer there's no way like you know again it's a tv show you kind of suspend disbelief and be like you know, um, you see this in the movies all the time. Like, well, that's not an operating system. Computers don't make that sound. So your brain checks out immediately of like, yeah, I guess it makes sense that they could delete it in one fell swoop without even trying. It is difficult to delete all of your files without realizing it, like by accident. For sure. Like you, it was just like, and, and for me as well, um, you know, it's the eight, the context was the, it was the AV guy and he was the one who brought them there. And then he's like on it, on his phone. But I, I, I get people might have other red flags for different things on the show, but that was the only time I really felt like I was in tune with like, Oh, the mystery. And it's easy because it ended up being, he ended up being the guy, but I know for most of it, I thought it was Walt. Walt had that motivation of being the overlooked dude. Right. Um, and uh, just for, for those you know, already it's been ruined. So hopefully you've seen the after party at this point, if you're listening to a spoiler cast section, but um, I will say that, uh, that there, you know, there were some episodes that were not completely like uh, the, the testimonials. Like there was the Tiffany Haddish origin episode, uh, which was interesting. And um, there was the gave motivation to her character and, and shone more light on, on the way that she thinks. And then there was the episode of the high school reunion. Um, and uh, sorry, the high school party, they keep talking about this party and they milk it for a really long time. And then Walt tells the entire room, his recollection of the party, which allows the, the whole co comedic joke being that he's always around. So he was in all these scenes with all these characters and able to, 
and and he tells the entire room so if anybody had took issue with the way that he was framing it they could correct him you know so you know it's kind of like what happened but even that episode is kind of like a, um an american pie style episode you know like everyone is a movie type romantic comedy whatever well that episode is like the american pie one and i will say one show that this this uh, movie made me think of a lot um, for various reasons, and I've mentioned on this show before, is American Vandal. Um, and uh, there's a high school party that plays a huge role in American Vandal, especially the first season as well. And Tiffany Haddish's partner in her flashback, um, uh, who is just such this dumb cop meathead, I was like, I kept turning to my wife. I'm like, God, where have I seen that guy before? Like, it drove me nuts. I couldn't keep watching i had to pause it and i was like i need to know where i've seen this guy before and uh he's the main teen from american vandal uh where they're trying to investigate if he drew the dicks or not and uh i just have to say that if you did like after party but uh if you like the 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 the, um, the high school reunion and the teen aspects of it and the mystery that uh, I again, American Vandal is such a great show. Like, and this, the fact that I think of it when I watch other shows is a testament to how good it is. But anyway, I, th there were those two episodes that added greater flavor to it and provide. I think Ryan, if we had gone eight episodes and every episode was somebody providing another view of the night, it might like we needed those two episodes break. I think. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, uh, I'll say so. First of all, I'll say like my biggest. The biggest thing I had, the problem at the end is like, I get why Jasper was the killer. It works for the whole show. It throws you off because it's like, it's unexpected because Ben Schwartz is such a lovable actor and he usually doesn't play a murderer. He usually at best plays like, or at worst plays like a bit of a bumbling fool. Yeah, he's harmless. Yeah. He's a clown. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So I, I, I love him as an actor. So when he was, you know, pinned as the murderer, I was like, oh man, I like him. He's the good guy. But it, even when he is pinned as the murderer at the end, he, he still falls back into that like Ben Schwartz, um, you know, stick where he's like, oh, I'm famous now. Yeah, finally, you know, and um, it, it's, uh, it works. But in the moment I was like, oh, he's the murderer. But it didn't work for anybody else to be the murderer. Like it made sense for everybody else who is who could they kind of thought oh maybe they're the murderer it didn't quite fit it probably wouldn't have landed the same and i think you know because jasper is the murderer it lands um and the other thing i'll say is that it has been confirmed that they're bringing it back for a second season i i think you may be you know pointed to the fact but i wasn't sure if you knew for for sure and i looked it up and and they are going to be coming out with a second season. And they, they like, uh, there's conversation with Anique there at the end because he designed escape rooms and like he could be in. He, he uh. was, you know, they're they're solving it. The idea being that that you know he could be brought back as well as uh, Tiffany Haddish's character, as well as the bumbling assistant, and you know, like. Um, he got together with the girl uh, at the end who incidentally she was one of those characters, even though she had the animated episode, which I thought was clever. I, I, I she never really, you know, she was a normal person, which is great. Uh, and sometimes you need that, but I, I she didn't do anything for me uh, in terms of, uh, in terms of character. I thought there was an off chance that, 
that the read that was intentional and she was going to be revealed to be the mustache twirling villain. I really liked when Ben Schwartz was revealed as when the Asper was revealed as the villain, he, he, ha, he gets to, he gets to act in the scene where like, he's essentially denying it, which he should right up into the end saying, show me like, show me the evidence. She blamed uh, Brett and then she's blaming Anique. And now she's saying it's me like, come on, like pick a lane lady, you know? And like, he does such a great job with that. And then when he's pushed and he breaks, it's just so believable because you know, like, from everything that you've seen, why he feels resentful and why, you know, why, it, why it all checks out. And I was just like, Oh, that, you know, that, that was pitch perfect. And so for me, it, it really worked um, as the reveal. And you never, you never hate him. Like he's trying to also like, he's with the main character. He's with Anik, uh, Anik the whole time, but he's trying to save, he, he's, He's not only trying to get away with it, he's trying to ensure his friend does not get pinned for it as well. Like he that so he's he's and he's trying to explain, like he says that to Anik at the at the end. And Anik is right to say, like, friends would not do this, you know, like this is clearly you would do this. But he was he was doing a multi-layered thing where he was trying, he's trying to become a superstar, he's trying to get away with murder, and he's trying to protect his friend at the same time. So I thought it was it was pretty cleverly done, even though, as I said, I was not invested in the mystery most of the show. Um, so I just enjoyed it for for what it was. And man, those songs were bangers. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, but yeah, Ashley did not like the singing, and I I I I like I like the whole series. I, I think it was a great recommendation. Um, everyone should check it out. It's it's worth the six bucks a month, and there's plenty of great stuff on Apple TV Plus. So lots of fun stuff to check out. So that's end of spoilers. End of spoilers, uh, Ryan. And uh, maybe uh, maybe we can move into uh, into the diapers. Um, I will just say before we do, I watch. I I'm very close to finally seeing Spider Man, uh, the the which is now being released, uh, you know, digitally. What is it, Spider Man? Uh, can't get home far from far from no that's the other one no my no no way home uh, uh, no way home that's it so i my wife and i watched the uh to refresh our memories because we'd only seen it once in theater spider-man far from home the the immediate predecessor where they go on the trip yeah and man that movie is so much fun like it's just a really fun movie so anyway, that's all I'll say about it because I know we've run long. But I totally recommend that. I haven't seen yet Spider-Man No Way Home, and I'm sure it's a giant celebration of all the cinematic Spider-Mans. But I will say Spider-Man Far From Home is a fun and funny road trip that goes down really easy. All right, let's change some diapers. Uh, I already went on uh, about my wife's major uh, major disaster in terms of her her teeth, but I I, uh, I do have some positive news, which is uh, that we had a Clara's fourth birthday. Um, unfortunately, we we booked this place. I think we talked about it on the show about um, we booked this um, kids Play kingdom place. type. Yeah, the play place, and everybody canceled the day before. So um, there was only one kid that showed up to Clara's uh, birthday, which I know sounds like you know I feel that the tear coming down my my cheek as well. But here's reality, though: the play place 
and and blowing out candles and having presents because you know we were there. Gwen was there. Um, there, there. She got. She had a blast. So yes, did it bother Jesse and I that ever all the parents canceled and some of them for good reasons, some for maybe not so good reasons. Did it bo- did it bother us? Yes. Uh, did it bother Clara? Not one iota. And I think that that's the 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 balance that we need to we need to strike when planning these things. Is being like you know sometimes, especially with with COVID and illness and all of that. And uh, Clara has a new catchphrase uh, which she she has started uh, using, which I find absolutely uh, hilarious. Uh, she essentially says, I won't tell you, or I don't, I'm, I'm not gonna, not gonna tell you. Uh, and when you ask her, uh, any questions, she will, she will often answer with, uh, not going to, not going to tell you. And it's, uh, it's pretty cute. Uh, so, um, that said, Ryan, uh, have you had any recent birthday experience that you want to share? Yeah, um, Isabel turned two. So over the last couple of weeks since Wait. our last recording, we had a couple of uh, birthday gatherings. Um, you know, we had uh, um, we had my family down one day. We had Ashley's family over the other the the couple days after that. So and that was our first gathering in in quite a while. Not necessarily on my side because we did have the whole gas station pizza incident. Um, but, uh, and jury's still out. Every time I ask people, people think it was my family that got me sick. Like, it's m- not just you, multiple people. Uh, I still believe it was the gas station pizza, but not willing to try that one again. We're actually going to visit them again uh, Easter Monday. So, uh, and we're not getting gas station pizza. So if I am, if I'm sick next week, then you'll have your confirmation as to, as to what it was. But uh, for Isabel's birthday, we had, um, for Ashley's side of the family, we had them over and uh that was like our first gathering all together uh since even before christmas so for christmas we had people drop out uh because they were sick and they didn't we didn't want to i don't know what it was uh, to be honest kids kids love gifts kids will open gifts no matter what if they're left on the the front porch or um you wait 4 months and it's like well here's your christmas gift we haven't been able to get together uh, for the last four months. So we did have Christmas gifts. So basically for Isabel's birthday, she got to open gifts, but a lot of the other kids also got to open gifts at the same time. And if you have kids, um, you know, one of the struggles with birthdays is like one of your kids is getting a bunch of gifts and your other kids are just like, even though they know what birthdays are like, Oh like, yeah, oh, man, I want a gift too. And, and I totally get it. hundred percent, you know, I still get that feeling sometimes when in my thirties as you know, the difference being is like, I could just go buy something, but, um, <laughs> you know, so that was, um, I don't know if it's like technically a healthy thing, but at the end of the day, like we just didn't do the Christmas gifts already. So we, uh, we took care of it all in, in that one gathering. And since Isabel's too, she could care less that other people were also opening gifts. Um, and uh we had we had a really great time it was nice that everyone came out it was uh drama free so that was nice it was a good gathering um and we had a we had a really good celebration um and uh Kaden um Abby had her birthday party that she went to from in her kids class and we did the thing we did the thing where uh Ashley was like oh I don't want Kaden to be left out we tried to just kind of like, cause it was at 
like a public event or a public place we tried to like book the same time at the play place so Caden could come with um just so we wouldn't be excluding him uh and and then they were like oh no it's closed to a private party so like this birthday party they literally invited the whole class which is like in my mind crazy like that sounds not only expensive but also like there's no way your kid enjoys hanging out with all these other kids like at the age, I'm just wondering, like they don't want any, they don't want any hard feelings. Like Clara wanted to invite everybody from her daycare except one kid, you know. Oh, and well, we're that's like different, trying to, though. <laughs> we're trying to negotiate that one kid. I guess so. Yeah. Like if you're not invited, like if you're if like that's one thing. If you are not wanting to invite one person, it's like, well, no, you have to invite everybody. But I don't know. Like if you have a class of twenty, I'm pretty sure you can pick five of your five of your friends. I mean. I just, I don't know. I, I, personally, like, I know there is one kid in that classroom that is like, uh, and this is this is another thing that we're dealing with is uh, uh, our kids are just entering that schooling years, and I'm I'm curious to to get people's takes on this, but like, um, I mean, the subject of bullying, the subject of bullies, just the subject of like kids who are assholes, because kids can be assholes. Um, and there is one kid in their class that just is like a serial asshole. He'll just go around like calling people's name, calling people names, pushing them and, and just being a general dick. And, uh, and these are like five and six year olds, like four and five and six year olds. And I get it. Kids, kids will be kids. Kids are kids. You know, it's going to happen. But like when you invite the whole class and you know, this one kid is, is a problem, um, I, I just don't know. Like, I guess Ashley was at, I didn't go to the party. I had to stay back because Isabel was napping. But Ashley went to the party and she actually witnessed this kid going around and just like literally just talking shit to everybody at this party. Like, just, you're stupid. You're a baby. You're stupid. You're a baby. And it's just like, why? You know? And And it turns out like, it just doesn't make sense to me. I know it's so, I know, look, I, it's not cool. Uh, and if I was there, it would be very frustrating. But hearing it as a story is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. No, and and here's the thing is, uh, I mean, um, the other thing about it, again, I wasn't there, but like Ashley said, you know, a lot of these parents just showed up and like dropped their kids off and left. And I'm thinking to myself, like, you know, the play place isn't a babysitting service. Like your kid is still under like at a certain age where they need to be supervised. You know, I don't know. It was just weird. It's, I, I'm new to this whole thing and I get it. Like there's no obligation that parents have to stay for a four-year-old's birthday party or a five-year-old's birthday party. But in my mind, like kids are a handful. And if you're inviting the whole class, you got to have backup. You know, if you're two parents against 20 kids, like that's insane. I, I think, I think that it, you're absolutely right. Um, I think that it just needs to be, I'm no longer giving people the benefit of the doubt. Like we're going to spell that out in invitations, what's expected of parents, right. because some parents will never leave their kids. Um, but other parents, man, they, they'll just be like, all right, you got my two year old. I'm like, can you, I, I, I wouldn't have felt comfortable leaving my kid alone until they were at least four. And that like Clara just turned four. And even now, like leaving her at somebody's birthday party, I'm not sure that I would be uh, yeah. comfortable. And a- again, like the problem child, this, this, 
this bully of a kid and maybe I'm being too harsh and calling him a bully but like in my mind if you're if you're going around calling people names and you're asked to stop and you continue to do it I, that's bullying um and uh and, and my thing is like his parents just dropped him off and in my mind like if you know your kid's behavior because trust me, if we're getting calls because Caden gets overexcited at recess and he, you know, maybe bumps into someone or or runs someone over by accident uh, while running around, I'm sure you're getting calls from the school because your kid is calling other kids names and, and just being generally, you know, uh, aggressive. So it just seems weird to be like, all right, I'm just going to drop my kid off and unleash fury upon all these kids and um i don't know it's just i'm it's all new to me like we're we're navigating it we did um we did talk to the teacher we said hey um abigail has like flagged this behavior before we've talked to you about it uh and you've said you'd look at it well we've now witnessed it in you know uh, in our own setting outside of school so like we just wanted to flag it again and make sure you're aware of it and they were aware of it and they say they're working on it and it's just one of those things of like just being proactive and talking to the teacher and not being not, you know, not being like, you know, I always say to Ashley, like a lot, these teachers are lucky that we're pretty reasonable parents. Like we're not going to, you would know in the, in the movies, you probably know parents like this that will go like thermonuclear when their kid is threatened. But like, you know, these type of issues are going to come up over the next 10, 15 years as they're in school, like it's not just going to be kindergarten bullies and like, yep, we did it. We survived, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be a constant thing. So, you know, we're happy to work with the teachers on it and, and have these dialogues and these conversations and support our kids in the, in these instances. And, you know, explain like, look, like they're bullies, let the teachers handle it, walk away. Like Abigail's got that down. You know, we ask her like, well, what do you do when he bugs you? He's like, I just, I just run away. And I'm, you know, like, okay, yeah, I mean, like, maybe not the best solution, but at the end of the day, if the kid's bugging you and you have somewhere else you can go, you don't have to stick around, you know, I, I don't know. To me, like, that sounds like a, a, in that instance of, like, recess, sounds like a perfectly logical thing to do. It's just, like, peace, I'm out, I don't want to deal with your shit. And that is, that is Abigail, you know, uh, that is her, uh, that is, that is definitely her, like, um, but, uh, yeah, it's just, it was one of those frustrating things to, to know what was happening. And, um, I don't necessarily want to like, you know, judge other parents, but at the end of the day, like, I think like, yeah, you're left policing, you're left policing as, as well, you know, like you're left, you don't know what, how this kid is, is, you know, managed at home and then you're left to, to enforce rules, um, or yeah. actually in this in this case, you know, you know what I would have done in that situation, Ryan? What's that? Can I tell you? <laughs> Can I tell you? Can I tell you? <laughs> did you get that? I did. What? Is, what is she saying? Not gonna tell you. Is Claire still awake? No, it's. I recorded it. Oh. It's your catchphrase. Look, <laughs> I can use it at any time. Can I tell you? Oh, there you go. That's perfect. Can I tell you? <laughs> I thought she woken up. That was, I, I'm like, Clara, come here. G- give Ryan your line. Yeah. You know, no, it's no, 10 no. To 11. <laughs> yeah. Not going to tell you. No. Yeah. Um, that, I mean, it's something we're still navigating. Uh, I mean, like, we're not, 
we're just we just want to make sure abigail knows like and yeah. again she's not even going to be around this kid in class like he's in a different he's it, like kindergartens are split grades um and he's a year ahead of her so he's going to move into grade one she's going to stay in kindergarten and then from there on at least this grade school she's never going to she's not going to be around him unless or outside of recess and even then i i think like they would still be separated in the sense that they they just have they'd be in different they'd be different classes like they'd be hanging out with different people so i'm not i'm not terribly worried about it i just i feel i feel bad i mean like you know it's not obviously it's not just happening to abigail um ashley said she had noticed it happening to a lot of the kids and uh i just um in my mind like inviting the like if you're gonna invite the whole class you know fine um you can't let you can't leave one person out but at the end of the day like we haven't quite gotten to the point of like inviting a bunch like inviting the whole class over but for us we and ashley and i talked about it after this sort of our first birthday party you know going to it from the classroom we kind of said like you know we would never we would never do that just from the side of like we would just have you know our our you know abigail or caden or, or isabel pick their pick their friends like say what do you want to do with your friends you know four or five of them the whole class seems like a lot to me like it just it's just i i mean i don't know about you but like there's no way you like liked everybody in your class right you had your you had your close knit friends and that's what you did with birthdays right sometimes you had more than, than just them but but you're talking two years old right uh yeah well, no, in this case, they're four or five, like okay, kindergarten. Right, right. I mean, it's tough, right? Because there is this whole mindset, and there has been for a while, like the people, you know, that it used to be you'd give Valentines to the kids that you like in class, and now it's like you give your, your parents and you with a Valentine for every kid in the class. It's like um, the sort of preservation of kids' feelings. You make it an open event, and you invite everybody and see who comes. It, I mean, and then nobody's upset. Everybody's included. It's like the anti-bullying in a way, like uh, despite with the idea that your kid is so young that they couldn't give a shit. So you're just sort of setting best practices. Then when they get a bit older, the idea also for those like at that age that your the parents would just be there. Like, so it is surprising that they, they would drop off. I understand where it comes from. Honestly, it's just, it's not like, I mean, I would have, I, I wouldn't have felt comfortable just – first off, I wouldn't feel comfortable managing a party of that that size. And second of all, I wouldn't feel comfortable dropping my kid off and not being there if I got there and, like, it's two parents, like, managing a party of 24, like, kindergartners, <laughs> you know. So, anyway, it, it is it is what it is. Uh, it's funny how we had totally different – like, Clara had nobody show up and you had, like, 20. You know, it's just uh, – it's just opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah. No, everyone was there. I think they only had – they had one person cancel. So, that was the other thing, like – because it was a private party, we couldn't we couldn't just bring Caden. So after we contacted the play place, they said, "Oh, it's a private party." Then Ashley reached out to the mom and said, "Hey, full disclosure, my son would really like to come. We can pay for his admission. Um, it's just you know, we can we can have him stay home. But honestly, like he he feels a little left out, and he would love to come." if that's okay. So like the mom said, Oh, we had someone drop out last minute. He can come. No problem. Ashley went out and bought like another gift so that Caden could give a gift as well. 
and it kind of just all worked out. It was all about just this conversation of like, you know, Abigail's definitely coming good friends with this, with the, with the birthday girl. Um, but Caden would like to come like Caden hangs out with the, you know, they're all in kindergarten. So even though they're in different classes, they still hang out at recess. So it was just, it was nice that we were able to get that accommodation. And, and I think we, you know, Ashley stuck around, like she stayed. Uh, I, I mean, she did say like, maybe like not many parents stayed, like most of them did just drop off and leave, but like, yeah, it, it worked out and they, they did have a great time. I, but I guess like, you know, Abigail's always happy to play with other kids, but I guess Ashley had noticed like for the most part, she was kind of sticking close to Ashley and we've been to the play place before and I can hardly keep track of the kids cause they're just running. I just cover the exits <laughs> cause you know, they're out there playing and they're having a great time with all these other kids that they've just never met before. They, they're very social creatures, but then at this birthday party, like she was shying away and like sticking close to mom. And it was because of this other kid and it's tough. Does the play place have uh, the racket that the, um, that the, uh, they had at kids kingdom where it's like, there's these arcade machines, like that they're like not arcade games. And so much as like you win tickets and then you get the tickets and they give you a point and then you cash in the points for like junky little toys at the entrance. Do, do you know what I'm talking about? I know what you're I've talking about. Like a- yeah. Like a Chuck E. Cheese style setup and, and no, there's no, um, Oh yeah. They There's had no that in Kids Kingdom and Gwen and her friend like we let Gwen bring a friend uh as well uh to Clara's party and Gwen had one girl from her school that was there and Gwen and her friend were just enamored with these stupid machines. Like, Dad, can you get us more money for these machines? They just wanted like to get these tickets so that they could get like these junky lollipops and crap in the front. Like, oh kids. They love junk. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, it's funny, like, they don't have an arcade there, but I'm I'm likely, I, I think I'll save this story for next episode, because it, it is a bit of a, a fun, in-depth story, but as a tease for next week, because we do have solicitor feedback, um, we went to the theaters to see Sonic the Hedgehog 2 with Caden, uh, I, I went with Caden and Abigail, they had a PA day, and every time we go to the theater, they have that section that is the arcade and Kate and Abigail both want to go play. Like we're literally standing in line for popcorn and like, Oh, can we go play the games? And I'm like, no, like we just arrived in time for the th- movie. And then right after we got to go pick mom up at work and then head home and get Isabel from daycare. And, uh, but I did say like, next time we will buy some tickets. We'll come play and, and we'll see how it goes. But, uh, yeah, they, they did not have an arcade, uh, at the play place. It's just, it is really just like, it's a very narrow building and in the back is just this huge play structure with a ball pit. And they do have like this, um, they've hooked up this like projector with, um, I wouldn't say it's a touch sensitive screen, but more of like a force sensitive screen. So you're like in the ball pit, you're throwing balls at the screen and doing like target practice with whatever game comes up. Sometimes there's like a, a fruit ninja style game. Other times there's like a, you know, shoot down, you know, a target practice type thing. Um, there's a bunch of slides and some trampolines and, and stuff like that. But then there are a couple of birthday rooms and, and like a little cafe area. So it's it's a very small, well-utilized space, but it doesn't, it does not have an arcade, which is nice because I, I get it. Like you make a lot of money off those things, uh, but like they are just, 
like that's not why they're there. They're there to play with the big, you know, play structure in the background. And uh, I think the arcades can be can be distracting um, from time to time. But next time we go to the theaters, I promise we would play on the arcades. So uh, I don't know when we're going next. <laughs> so that was also kind of like my ploy is like, oh, next time we come, we'll go, we'll go. Uh, I don't know when what movie will come out. I think Caden um, wants to see. They had a trailer for Into the Spider-Verse part, the second one that's coming out in October, and Caden wants to see it in theaters. We watched Into the Spider-Verse not too long ago, and and I said, like, yeah, like, maybe we can go to the theaters in October. Like, he'll be almost seven at that point. Um, so, like, yeah, it might work out. It might be a little bit above his level. I know there's, like, there's some stuff that happens in Into the Spider-Verse that can be a, that is a bit above, like, year seven, but... You know, you haven't seen No Way Home. Caden saw No Way Home. Me and Caden watched it, and we had a good time. So, I think you'll, I think you'll dig it. It's hard to top Sonic the Hedgehog, the movie. Two, uh, I will, I will say, no matter how shitty Sonic the Hedgehog, <laughs> the movie two is, it's better than the Genesis games. So, uh, yeah, yes, there's that. Yeah, I was having that argument with myself as I was trying to think. Like, Sonic has done really well um outside of video games like they've always had a you know the tv shows have done really well with the kid audience i had this conversation with jocelyn like on the gamers in we talked about seeing sonic i saw sonic the hedgehog 2 and and i talked about it and her argument is is it's a kid's movie and like it is a kid's movie absolutely but as someone who enjoys the sonic character and enjoys video game movies and enjoys watching you know movies with my kids i enjoyed sonic the hedgehog 2 and i will admit like that did you know contribute to my enjoyment of both the first and second one um I'll, I'll admit that but i think like sonic has always done well outside of video games with tv and movies with with kids and it's always been they've always have a tv show running there's always a tv show going i think there's a new one netflix is working on right now paramount plus is going to be running one with with knuckles at some point and um yeah, like, uh, but then I got to thinking, like, are there any good Sonic games outside of, like, those few 2D ones that came out post-Genesis? Uh, one that came up uh, in our Discord was Sonic Mania when I posed the question uh, on the podcast. Sonic Mania being the most recent sort of 2D throwback um, game. that is That is really good. It's phenomenal. But, like, do the 3D games even, like, come close to what would be considered like a really like a good a really good game you know and i don't think sonic has really had like a it's more been like kind of passable maybe i'm being too critical but like i don't know like i i think that people um it got uh invoked to crap all over the 3d sonics for many 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 years and i'm not saying that there are good many good 3d sonics and i have not played sonic mania uh, which i know is a, a retro 2D, but I I will say that a lot of love is thrown to the Genesis games, uh, like Sonic 2, Sonic CD in particular, um, as being like, this is when Sonic was good. And as somebody who has recently played those Genesis games, I have to say that, yes, that is it is the best of the Genesis games, but they're not that great. They don't hold up that well. It's not like playing Mario World. 
where you're like, wow, this is an amazing game, even still today. Like, it's fine, but it's not that great. Uh, and so my argument is would be to anybody who's like, is there any good 3D Sonic games? I'd be like, is there any good Sonic games, period? Um, and uh, maybe this Mania newer one is but like generally i found them to be weirdly designed you're basing it around a character who goes really fast but you're constantly putting obstacles in their way to stop them um you know like you're making the platforming not very tight and kind of floaty uh you know you sonic goes underwater and then it, he can only hold his breath for so long and the ways of dying are all frustrating uh, the you know anyway i i just i just never found sonic and you're absolutely right he has flourished outside of video games like he's had these shows with tons of episodes and now he's got these two movies and people love him and he's like a celebrated character still to this day i just it's just ironic because like I can't think of a really good example where a character has had an evolution like this where like they came from video games specifically and were never really that great, you know, in that form and have kind of found their final form in other media. Um, so anyway, is interesting? Yeah, it's, it's kind of weird to think like there's a Mario movie coming out at the end of the year. Could Sonic the Hedgehog 2 do better? than a mario movie and i i don't i don't think so just based on like mario is a much more um uh, recognizable video game character like sonic is very recognizable but I, mario definitely jumps ahead um but also like you have the illumination oh i see pedigree. what you did there yeah. i know jumps, it took, yeah, yeah. <laughs> jump man it, yeah, it could it could have been sped ahead, you know, if it was Sonic. But yeah, yeah. I see you. You've, you've uh, yeah, it will be will be interesting. But like, if Mario falls flat on his face in the film, uh, in the film world, he'll at least have I don't know fifteen absolute <laughs> classic banger yes. video games to fall back on. Where Sonic will have like you know maybe one color through the eyes of nostalgia i i'm i'm not sure i know there's there's some sonic diehards out there i just i guess i just don't don't see it although i will say that like when i was playing that pile of crap of genesis games whenever when i put in the sonic game it definitely felt better than those other games so if you know it's like what is that syndrome when you just get like fed crap nonstop and then get given one piece of mediocre food and you think it's the best food in the world whatever i whatever that is genesis fans have it with sonic <laughs> yeah no okay yeah that's uh yeah that makes sense i i mean i i just i don't know i there is a new sonic game coming out at the end of the year as well i think mario mainline mario games are just usually you can count on them even looking at sunshine you know like if sunshine is your lowest point that's still pretty good because sunshine was still fantastic look i would if i were making the sonic games i would time with the release of these movies right because people are all into sonic right now because of the movies and when when it when the like let's face it this new sonic game like is gonna blow like all the other <laughs> sonic games so it's not like you're rushing it across the finish line you can just release it early in a half-assed date it's gonna suck either way but at least if it sucks when it's released at the same time as the movie you got a ton of kids and parents that are buying it for their kids like it just seems like it makes sense for me they'll release it at the end of the year it'll suck but oh maybe they can really release it with the dvd or something 
but but probably that will have been out for a while as well, you know. Yeah, I think it's holiday is what they're aiming for for this. Uh, it's called Sonic Frontiers, so we'll see how that works out. But uh, I think I think I saw, and you know what? I think I saw that one. And as much as I shit on uh, Sonic, like my big beef with Sonic is the really um, the fact that the, it's a promise of speed and and a reality of frustration, and. In the frontiers, if I do remember seeing it's like kind of open world and you can run off in different directions. And to me, that seems like that's where like you're gonna you're gonna maybe have a good experience because you're gonna actually be able to enjoy running at top speeds and not like crashing into spikes or walls every two seconds, you know. So but let's be honest, it's gonna suck. All right. Uh so let's go. Uh we've we have obviously as we do run super long. Let's go into the uh the the mailbag here quickly. We have another question. Uh, this time again from Whirlwind. Uh and uh <laughs> it's what kind of rake do you guys have? And do you like it? <laughs> I do I do like I do like that it's also do we like it? Just the what kind of rake do you guys have would be would, would be great. Um so uh Ryan, do you wanna do you wanna do you want to field this one uh, first? Sure. What, ty- what type of rake do you have? And most importantly, do you like it? <laughs> so, uh, you know, here's the thing. And this was posed in Discord and I, and I did answer it. I'm, I'm a terrible person to ask because, first of all, like, I don't buy the rakes. Like, uh, Ashley bought our last rake. And I think I break the rakes. Like, I, I feel like whenever I use it, it breaks in my hands. Um, we got like this, uh, this rake from Canadian tire, uh, which I know to our American listeners are going to be like, man, that sounds like the most Canadian store ever. And it's like, well, it is. Uh, and, uh, it was just this, like, it's like this broom pole, but at the end there's this like crudely fashioned on like giant red plastic rake. And I, I don't know, like rake technology I'm sure has come a long way, but this rake it just felt like it did more damage than good, honestly. So um, if I had to pick, if I was shopping for rakes, if I was out there looking for rakes, I've always enjoyed um, the the metal rakes with like the more thinner sort of grabby bits, the more thinner th- combs, as opposed to like the hard plastic that doesn't have give. Because I like to be able to feel the rake um, sort of the metal piece bend as you're raking. Like I've always appreciated that about rakes. Uh, we haven't had one of those in a while because, like, it, when you store them, those metal pieces tend to, like, get bent. They don't last very long. And then as you're raking, you're having leaves fall out. So I think I just set the record on this podcast for talking about rakes for more than That's, a minute. I mean, you really definitely gave it a lot of thought. I, uh, I did. You know? And and I'll tell you I'll tell you the, uh, the answer uh, to, to the question for me, which is what uh, type of rake do I have? And uh, do I like it? Can I tell you? <laughs> Can I tell you? Not gonna tell you. So that's it um, for us here at Dungeons and Diapers for this week. Uh, of course, you can share your questions with us. Uh, you can do that by um, either following us on Twitter at Croft and Steers for me, at R Murphy for Ryan at D&D cast for the show or 
you can email the show. Just send us an old-fashioned email. Dad at TGIstudios.com is the best way to do that. You can also visit us on the web. TGIstudios.com slash dad brings you to all the old episodes, uh, all of which are amazing because 100% of them star Ryan or me, most of them, both of us. Um, so that's worth checking out. All right. That's going to do it for this extra long but extra good episode of Dungeons and Diapers. Have a great week, everyone. Keep your mouth safe and stay away from Genesis games. Bye, everybody. 